I'm not competing against you. It may look like it, but I'm competing against myself. Mm -hmm. Like how great can I be? And then trying to be as accurate as possible of that greatness. And I think that when you think about imposter syndrome, it really boils down to your inability to actually see how good you are. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of this. the stuff. <laughs> So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland. And I'm Edward Copeland. Yes, that's me. It's always questionable. Like if we played a clip of yeah. every single time you say that, you always say it with hesitation. You mm-hmm. always say it mm-hmm. as though you're Copeland. questioning you yourself, <laughs> <laughs> as though you're going to say something else. And I'm just sitting here waiting. Uh, I love. I to, think it's cute, the, though. The, it's the spontaneity that it brings. I think it, the audience hears and they go, what is he going to say? Well, he's just going to say his name. That's what I'm going to do. I love it. Right. <laughs> so I have a what in the world. Usually you have all the what in the worlds, but I have a what in the world. Let's do it. Here's my question to you. And I need for you to take an Instagram poll. I need for you to ask your husband to ask his friends. But here's the question. Is cat calling really effective? Here's what I mean by that. (laughs) It got you, girl. (laughs) 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 When you're walking down the street, you're a woman and guys are hanging out of their car or whistling or wiggling their tongue or just doing any number amount of ridiculous things to get your attention. I want to know if that's effective. I want you to go and survey and poll all of the men that you know and ask them, hey, has it ever landed you like a wife? Has, no, it that's e- has anyone ever said like, oh, yeah, baby, come over here? Like, what do you say as a woman in response to someone wiggling their tongue and honking their horn and grabbing their crotch and like doing all this wait. absurd <laughs> nonsense? Does that shit really work? That's wait, my question. Wait, no, so I think the question should be aimed at the women or are, are individuals, no, not just women. We know that, the answer. No, no, no. That, because here's the thing. That you're setting somebody up. No man's gonna say, "Yeah, like th- right. this." No one's gonna ask their partner, "Hey, but that's I asked- the point. <laughs> that's no, the point of the what no, in the world. No, like, saying- why do men do it if we know as women it's never effective? Yeah, but nobody's gonna say, but- "Yeah, I do. I used to do it all the time before I met you." Like it kind of gives you like one of those things where you go, oh, I think this marriage or this relationship is over. But that's why <laughs> that's why you wound up with me, because maybe you went through all the cat calling never worked. And then you got some uh, insight on how better to approach a woman. Yeah, I can honestly 100 percent guarantee stamp that I have never, <laughs> ever cat called a woman. So I have never. What falls like, under that category, woo! though? Hey, or I, I don't even know how to do it. You go, ah. Like, what are you, are you screaming? Is it like, I have no clue. I've never like yelled out to get someone's attention to immediately have a, a connection. Right. Like, and so to me, well, it's just ridiculous. Right. So here's what happened. <laughs> the other day, you know, I'm working from home and I just was like, I got to run out in the middle of the day. I got to go to the gym. But it was a really nice day. 
I didn't want to stop what I was doing, go to the gym, do cardio for 30 minutes, and then weight train. So I was like, I'm going to walk briskly to the gym, which Uh is a couple minutes away. I'm going to work out, lift weights, and then I'll walk back home. And then cardio, weights, boom, done, right? So I'm walking in my gym clothes. I have no makeup on, no nothing, but I'm walking down Grand Avenue, which is our major street. And literally, like, the amount of people honking. So some people are like, well, that's nice. That's a compliment. Yeah, I I am here for the compliments. Every woman (laughs) wants to feel beautiful. But when you're, like, acting like a ravaged, caged tiger or something in your vehicle. So, you know, it's not so bad. I'm walking kind of with the traffic. So I guess, like, a honk here and there. Okay, fine, whatever, pervert. Like, fine. Go to the gym. Come back. And then I'm walking now against the traffic and I'm just like listening to like beep, beep, hey, oh, like I don't even know the sounds that they make, but I'm just like, why? Right. And so this one guy like honks and does this thing with his tongue. And I'm just like, I wanted to say, bro, look at you and look at me. And I know that sounds really shitty, but like he was like, definitely like not going to pull a woman like me. And so then I just started to kind of think, who does this and is it ever effective? Right. That was the question, right? So then I keep walking, keep walking. And it's just like, oh, God, guys, like we really want to root for you, but you make it really hard for us to root for you. So I turn the corner. I'm walking down my street now. And this guy, I'm walking, let's say I'm walking east and he's driving west Mm -hmm. and he stops in the middle of the road on the you know other side of the road, not at a stop sign, but he mouths to me because I have my AirPods on. He mouths to me, you're so beautiful. And so I kind of just like- Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> just like gave him like a, okay, thank you. Like, I don't even know what my face was, but it obviously was not giving you the social cues that I was appreciative or inviting. wanted to stop to right. and talk to you. I was definitely not inviting you to further right. the conversation. So he sits there for a few minutes, Remember, he's not stopped at a stop sign. He stopped in the middle of the road. So I keep walking. I'm walking briskly. So I think to my head, oh, God, I hope he doesn't turn around and like come over and yank me by my hair because I didn't give him the proper attention that he needed. Right. Sure enough, he turns around a couple minutes later and then pulls up on the side that I'm on now. And he's driving slowly as I'm walking. So I turn and I look at him and he goes, he says something and I kind of just go, I like, no, thank you. No, thank you. Right. I keep walking. Maybe he thought you were waving. No, he knew very well because I, I made a face like, what are you here for? Right. And I just said like, no, thank you. And I kept walking. And then so he keeps following me. Right. Mm. And so now I'm like, oh, my God, women have to think about, am I putting myself in harm's way? Where would I run? What neighbors would right. see me? Like, And I'm like, he's kind of a smaller guy, so I feel like I could take him. But nowadays you get drugged and who knows. So I'm just like looking for an out, right? And I'm thinking, is he going to keep on? So finally I turn around and I take my AirPods out and I go, what? And he goes, you know, I was just wondering, can we get to know each other? And I said, no, we cannot. And so I put my AirPods back in. I kept going. He waits and then follows me again, right? So he's just pulls up to me and I pull my AirPods. I go, what? And he goes, you know, just can we please, you know, I'd like to get to know you. I said, I'm married. Leave me alone. So I walk again and I'm thinking to myself, if he does this again, like this is out of control. Right. Well, he did. So 
So he pulls up again. And before he can even say anything, I take my AirPods out. I turn, I go, what the fuck? <laughs> Leave me the fuck alone. Right. And he's just like, I just want to get to know. I said, I said, no, leave me alone. So I start walking. He stopped now. And I'm thinking if he comes up to me again, I'm going to start running because this is at this point right. ridiculous. Right. So he waits a bit, drives like off. And so I see him drive off and then he turns around and comes back again. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so he keeps going, thankfully. But now my house is right there. So I have to walk past my house so he doesn't see that I go in my house, right? And wait for him to leave several minutes. And then I have to run back to my house. So I run in the house and Kayla's like, did you walk to the gym? I go, yeah. And this loser was basically following me. So I used it as like a teachable moment to show my girls what to do. You may be scared, but you better act like you got it together. So me getting aggressive saying, what the fuck? Leave me alone. I'd rather you think that I'm not afraid then me show you that I'm scared and timid and start running and like panic. And so that's my what in the world. Yeah. It's not really fun. That's but, my what in the world too. I... <laughs> but it's two questions. <laughs> One, is cat calling effective? The answer is no. I'm asking the question <laughs> and telling you. But I want to know like women, we know that this is ineffective. Can we do something to campaign for the guys to understand that they need to understand it's not effective? Well, I mean, let's just be honest. The losers that do that are probably like they're unreachable. Mm-hmm. Like the good people who listen to the Push podcast probably do not associate with many people right. who do cat calls. Still, I hope you should not. take a and poll. If you, you should still if take you a poll. Do, uh, that's a problem. Tag me in your but, poll. I, you know, obviously that it infuriates me. And I'm like, okay, you no longer can walk the streets alone. <laughs> right? Right. Just, but at the same time, I think you handled it really well. And those are just some so interesting things. Our like we're, Kayla, we're, it's interesting Kayla says, what does it feel like as a man to not have to think about all of this crap that I women can cat have call to all the time. So I, I, I'm I, sure I, you I, do, I'm baby. You're super hot. <laughs> I'm just I would cat call you. <laughs> I wouldn't cat call you like back then, but I would definitely cat call uh, you now. Right. I usually, hey, how do you cat call now? You just say, hey, fella. Oh, God. <laughs> Nobody says fella except you actually in 2021. Nobody says that. <laughs> yeah. So th- that's horrible. Well, um, that leads it, me it, into like the whole cat calling and yeah. relationships and stuff. Right. Did you want to wrap it up? Because I was going to lead into today's episode title. Oh, no, I mean, I, <laughs> Can we leave it there? there's really nowhere else to go with that. Yeah. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. Because you were upset. I mean, and I think we have to, uh, in another episode, we have to talk about- Why like, you're still single? No, the idea of courting and relationships. Because like some of the things have been coming up that I thought was really interesting. And we've been having conversations with the girls around like these days- how do you meet people? We watched mm-hmm. the, a movie called, um, well, it was like Clickbait. A, yeah, series. a series called Fan Clickbait. Fan-freaking-tastic. Go and, binge it right it now. really, at the underlining of it was like how you meet people in mm-hmm. this digital virtual age mm-hmm. and like how do you have real connection with people because yeah. in real life, we're finding that, that people have a difficult time like actually meeting people. Mm-hmm. So social uh, skills I think, I think we, we got we to gotta dig into that. But I also think that depending on your culture and your race, there's different forms of how to approach a woman that right. are acceptable. And we can talk about that in another episode because <laughs> that's pretty funny itself. But I want to talk to you guys today about imposter syndrome. Well, I don't just want to talk yeah. to you. We want to we- talk to you. <laughs> but I want to tell you mm-hmm. about this TED Talk that I recently watched. And it was by this guy, Mike Cannon Brooks. And he basically is a pretty successful business owner. And he was talking about how in the beginning stages of his business, he literally didn't know what he was doing when mm-hmm. he was building his business. Mm-hmm. He said that accounts receivable 
He didn't know if that was people that owed him money or they owed him money or if they owed him money or they or his business owed money. Make mm-hmm. sense. And so he just was like really vulnerable in this TED talk about like, I didn't know anything. So right. I'd be like, bro, you're in accounting, right? A phone call for you because <laughs> he just didn't know. And he was the founder of the company. He also said that he had been nominated him and his partner to win like the entrepreneur of the world, entrepreneur of the year world award or something. Wow. And he thought it was so ridiculous that like, why would they nominate us when we don't even know what the hell we're doing? Right. (laughs) And so he didn't go. Mm -hmm. Well, they wound up advancing him to the next round. And so then he had to go to the next round because he was like a finalist, right? right? So he said he looked up all the other business owners that were in the category, Googled them all. And he was like, yeah, there's definitely no way we're going to win this. So should I go? Should I not? Whatever. He invites his wife. They go. And they wind up sitting next to a super successful, like multi-million dollar earner, still in the beginning startup stages of his business. But he tells the guy, bro, I don't even know why I'm here. Right. And the guy goes, yeah, I don't either. I don't know why I'm here either. And he like looks at him puzzled and he's like, yeah, but you know, you've got 3000 employees and you have this, this and this. And he goes, well, I'd imagine that everybody else that was also nominated probably feels similar to us. And so this guy, Mike was like, do you think that's possible? And he goes, yeah, but I guess the trick is, is like, if you're here, that means you've done something successful. So you may as well keep doing what you're doing. It's working. Yeah. And so this guy, Mike was like, oh my God, I guess you're right. And so the kind of revelation was regardless of what level you're at, anytime you enter a new space that's unfamiliar, that you're unaware of like all of the ins and outs of, if you're trying to grow your business and you get to a new level or trying to get a promotion and you get the promotion or you go to a networking event and you're there and you don't really know if you measure up to the other people that are there, you can easily feel like you don't belong. And that is imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. I'm going to let you talk, I swear. But he also says that he felt that way with his wife. He said that he looks at her still to this day after four kids later. And he says, God, I don't even know how I like scored with her. I don't Hmm. even know, like, am I even worthy of being with her? Wow. And he said, I wonder if she feels the same way. And turns out she does. So their therapist said that's one of the healthiest forms of like success for a relationship. Healthiest indicators of success for a relationship is when both people feel like the other person, they might not be worthy enough for the other person. Mm -hmm. Then they're always kind of showing up, up leveling who they are to kind of prove that they're worthy. Isn't that great? Yeah. And it's interesting because you think it would ride on the edge of insecurity. You think? Right. Well, and I like where the reframe of that, like, I feel that way about you. I think you're beautiful. I think sometimes I'm like, okay, I want to work up to mm-hmm. the, the level of my wife. And I think that what you describe, I think, is a beautiful thing when you really think about that from both sides. And I think that when it goes wrong, I think that's when it gets into insecurity. Like, right. Like, you view that person in a way that you're not worthy. And so you go internal with it. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden now you feel like I'm not enough. And and you get really insecure. Well, and maybe I, I didn't explain it no, the right no, way. No, you did. You did. I just think that- But it, I heard it and my brain didn't even go to that. Right. But I think that some people can. I think oh, people are sure. in relationships, yeah. especially when like 
if you don't think you're very attractive and you already have insecurities and mm, you happen yeah. to be with someone that's, you know, the world sees right. as, as attractive. Mm-hmm. And so you know that you could be really insecure and jealous and all those mm-hmm. kind of things. But I think that's a beautiful story. Yeah. So that's all I have to say on this episode of the podcast. All right, I'll well, pass it over now to it's the Eddie kidding. Copeland show. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought uh, that was good for relationships yeah, because that's I know huge. that you could, I guess you're right, take imposter syndrome, like am I a good enough wife? And this person's so great. I look at it as, as I, like you, hold you up on a pedestal. And I hope to be the wife that can capture your attention and make sure that, you know, you're happy yeah. at home. And so I found that in our relationship, it is beneficial for us to always be kind of up leveling each other and showing up as your best self. Yeah. And I, think I just that, thought it was great, but I, I think didn't even think about that. That's a beautiful thing because it makes me like want to be more conscious right. of that on mm-hmm. a daily basis. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. And that almost is like a whole other conversation right. in itself. But as far as imposter syndrome is concerned, like that is an interesting thing. So I'll give you some statistics. You ready? Not statistics, but some history on okay. it. You ready? All right. So the term imposter syndrome was coined by a psychologist named Paula R. Clance. And I hope I'm saying her last name. And Susan Ann Ames in 1978. Mm-hmm. Right? So- it's interesting that women- I was born that year. Right. Women psychologists in the 1970s- Were the ones that found were, were, it. Yeah. Because I think it's something that's really important because your story involved men. And what we've seen is that women have struggled with imposter syndrome probably more publicly mm-hmm. than men because men hide how they feel. Well, right? can I also tell you really quick that Mike Cannon Brooks, mm-hmm. I look, I had to Google him because I didn't know who he was. He's an Australian billionaire who <laughs> founded this company called Atlantis, Atlantisin or something. And he has done stuff with Elon Musk for Tesla. He said that when he got a call from Elon Musk about like battery power and like, hey, we're trying to do this, this and this. Can you help us? He said, I literally had no clue what the difference between a nine volt <laughs> battery was and what he was asking me to do. And so what did I do? I used it to propel myself to go learn. Yeah. And so huge. his point of his TED talk, which I'll link it in the show notes, was no matter what level you're at, no matter who you are, you're always going to suffer from imposter syndrome, but you don't have to suffer from it. You can use it to propel you to go do research and to go learn. Yeah. So that way you realize I am supposed to be at this yeah, table. And, I, and I'm glad that you articulated the outward manifestation of imposter syndrome because it's interesting when I've had conversations with people. So many people did not know what that word meant or really? that phrase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was one of those things where like imposter syndrome, I, like, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And then when you describe the the behaviors, the the thoughts, the feelings that you have, people go, oh, I have that all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And you so don't belong the, here. Yeah. And so the, the actual term is the internal experience of intellectual phoniness mm-hmm. in people who believe they are not intelligent, capable, or creative despite evidence of high achievement. And put simply, imposter syndrome is the voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough, you're a fake, and you're on the verge of being found out. And that's a big one where people feel like at some point someone's going to find out I'm not as good as my achievements yeah. are, right? So and Mike said that in thing. his TED Talk. He said, I thought at any moment someone was going to come over and be like, hey, joke's up. You shouldn't be here, bro. <laughs> yeah, you got to found get out. You evacuate <laughs> this building, take all these 300 people whose lives you've ruined right, because right. they don't... They're not worthy of working for someone like you who doesn't know what they're doing, right? right? This guy's a billionaire. And so I think about how often I feel this way in my own business, in my own home when I'm working from home. 
And that's, you know, if I'm working on trying to come up with a title for a podcast, this happened yesterday. I was working with Olivia, our assistant, and we were like Googling just different topics for podcasts. And I go, dang, these titles are really good. Ours suck. <laughs> like, are, should we even have a podcast? And right, I'm like, right. yes, we should have a podcast because we're operating from the level that we're at. And maybe this person, because they're on episode 2,479, maybe they know something I don't know. Yeah, there's a good chance yeah. they don't. And but I still deserve to be here. But what's so interesting is how inaccurate we are about ourselves, mm -hmm. right? We don't have a really good way of measuring how good we are at things, mm -hmm. right? Because we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. We're taking in all this information that's not true to ourselves. And the only true competitiveness, the only true way to compare yourself is within yourself, okay. right? You have to compare who you are today versus who you were yesterday and who you want to be tomorrow. And I think that when you do that and you do that well, like I hear Michael Jordan all the time say this. He says, I've never lost a game. I've only run out of time. And mm. it's that internal like motivator, that intuitive competitiveness that he believed, I'm not competing against you. It may look like it, but I'm competing against myself. Mm -hmm. Like, how great can I be? Right. And then trying to be as accurate as possible of that greatness. And I think that when you think about imposter syndrome, it really boils down to your inability to actually see how good you are and yeah. actually see that you belong. And to your point, to actually see that everybody else is scared as shit as well. Right. I think I have a different take, and I know you've got some stats and data that you want to go over, but I feel like imposter syndrome is natural when you are in a new environment and you're questioning, should I be here? Do I know enough? Am I smart enough? You know, right. have I achieved enough? Have I accomplished enough? Am I worthy enough? And the answer sometimes is no. Like you got yourself into this new level of your career and now you're in your first board meeting, let's say, and everybody else has been doing this for a really long time which you know that you haven't, which now you're questioning your ability, your skills and things like that. Well, you're questioning it because it's unfamiliar. You haven't built the confidence. You haven't built the rhythm or the routine to like have it feel familiar. And so I feel like if you wanted to, you could take that imposter syndrome feeling and say, oh, I feel this way, but I'm supposed to feel this way because it's new and it's different and it's unfamiliar. And so in order to not feel this way, what do I have to do? I have to build mm. repetition. I have to build confidence. I've got to get some wins under my belt. Right, right. And so it forces you to say, yeah, you know what? I might not be as good as all the people that are here, but I got here for a reason. So let me learn. And I think it could humble you into this new stage of learning that you're supposed to be in. Does that make sense? No, a hundred percent. And it's interesting that you took like that vantage point, because mm -hmm. I think that that's a strategy that people can use. So if you find yourself in a room where you feel like you don't belong mm -hmm. or you feel that everyone is better, but you're actually, the fact that you're in the room is evidence, but right. that's the evidence that gets ignored. But the thing is, is what's interesting is I look at it from a different perspective like I look at it that, okay, I'm in this room. That means I do belong. Okay, mm -hmm. so now I got to show myself and I have to fulfill the fact that I am here, mm -hmm. right? And so it's so one of those- So are you proving to yourself or to others? I'm proving it to myself that yes, I belong because I'm here, mm -hmm. right? And then I go to a place of like, okay, let me show myself that I do, mm -hmm. right? And then in the process, you end up showing everyone else what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. But I think that both those strategies could be really effective right. depending on who you are. right. Right. Like you operate from a place of 
it's not enough. I got to push farther. I also feel like I have great humility, though. If I'm in a room with a bunch of, let's say, you know, digital marketers and I'm new to this and I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm going to make it a point to go make as many friends as possible because I know that I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So maybe initially it's scary or you feel a little insecure and you don't understand the terms. Back to this Mike Cannon Brooks guy, this billionaire, he said, I would be in board meetings and people would be throwing around these acronyms and nobody in the room knew that I was secretly taking notes and then going to Wikipedia on my phone later to figure out what the hell they were talking <laughs> Which about. Which everyone else was he's doing He's a too. founder <laughs> and he's a billionaire, right, right? right? So the point is, is like, I think one of my strategies is everybody feels this way yeah. and you should when you're in a new space. So let's learn. Yeah, Use I think, the Wikipedia. I think we, we often in our heads think that because we don't know. And if we ask a question that we should know, that mm-hmm. everyone's going to say, why are you here? You right. should already know that question. Right. When most of the time- And that never happens. Like, yeah. And, and if people do do that, they're assholes. <laughs> but, and then you have to remind them, I'm sure at one point you did ask that same question, right, right. right? But that's an interesting thing because I think that when you peel back like your ego and all the different things, you said humility, mm-hmm. it's like that shame that will have you hiding that or maybe never asking the question, right? Mm-hmm. And so- I know that there have been times where I have been in rooms and I feel like, oh my God, I should know this, mm-hmm. right? They're talking about, like in a good example, an right. acronym, or they're talking about some type of aspect of business. And I'm like, I should know this, but I don't. Mm-hmm. So because I'm in this room and because they're talking about it like it's common language, I'm not going to ask right. because that's going to basically, everyone's going to find out that maybe I do not belong here, right? right? And that that's where I think there's a mistake happen. And I think that's where you really really can lose the opportunity to really learn and gain and progress. Mm-hmm. So I practiced for a few years is I'll ask a question and say, hey, I just want to check my thinking because I'm not sure I understand what you mean. Can mm-hmm. you tell me exactly what that means? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what people go is, no, thank you for that. I, absolutely. I'm sure other people want to know, too. Well, you know <laughs> and then why? You, and then people go, hey, thank you for asking that right. question because I was going right. to ask. It's yeah. If you're the presenter and you're the one with the knowledge speaking, it's something you're thankful for right. because then it kind of realigns the room like maybe someone else felt this yeah. way too. Yeah, and you can but frame it in feel... a way where you're like, I'm sure everybody wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> but we feel insecure about asking because then you're the dummy who right. doesn't know what's happening. And I guess what we're trying to say is it's not usually ever real. Right. It's just your own insecurities, your own negative talk, your own like comparison. You're comparing the way that your brain is operating with the way other people look in the room, they look like they know what he's talking about, right? And usually that's not the case. Right, right. And, you know, so what's interesting is like this shows up for women and in, in, in this way, we and I don't know if we've ever talked about this stat, but imposter syndrome, when it comes to your career, when it comes to applying for positions, women will look at the qualifications mm. for a particular um, mm-hmm. position and if they don't meet 90% of the qualifications, they don't apply. Right. Where well, men will look at it and if they meet 60, 50 to 60%, they apply anyway. Right. Right. And so that whole idea of I'm not enough, if I don't check all these boxes, I'm not even going to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. And if you do put yourself out there, if someone is not encouraging you to go even further, what they found in studies is that women won't right? in a lot of cases. And so that is a powerful thing as parents of daughters, when we think about like their confidence and their audacity mm-hmm. to say, I'm worthy, even if I'm falling short on these qualifications, I'm still raising my hand. 
I, and I'm going to put myself, my name in the hat because yeah. I want that opportunity. But that shows up statistically when it comes to the amount of female billionaires, the amount of females in leadership board, roles. In yeah, in board mm-hmm. roles and leadership roles because of some of those things. And now, obviously, there are some other aspects of bias and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But some of those things come down to putting your name in a hat and actually raising your hand. So we learned of that statistic when the girls were younger in 2015. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like wanting to show them like, don't take no for an answer. You don't have to lean into perfectionism. Like just put it out there, ship it out into the world, even if you're not ready, right? Just who cares if you fail? Like we've tried to brainwash our kids like nobody's business. (laughs) But I do still see that they're very much rule followers and it really pisses me (laughs) off. Like with Kayla applying for college and things like that, there were many times we were like, just call them and ask them if they could bend the rules a little Mm. bit. And it would be about a visa or whatever. And she's like, no, it says right here on the website that they won't. Okay, I don't care what it says. Just call. You'd be surprised if you get someone on the phone and you explain to them the situation, they'll make an exception. And so that is one thing that I would say women more than men are rule followers. And I do think that. And they don't want to ruffle feathers, yeah. right? Like it's like, I don't want to mess this up. And that's another portion or evidence or symptom I don't want to inconvenience imposter someone. syndrome. It's like, I don't want to be found out. So I'm not going to make any noise because if I make too much noise, people mm-hmm. are going to realize I don't belong here. Right. Right. And I think that that's so as a woman. Like, where did that come from for you when it comes to, like, as you do that often, like, yeah. there's no door that you don't check the hinges no. to make sure, okay, maybe there's it's a way locked. In somehow. I'm sure I could probably kick this thing in. Yeah. Like, what did, I could go around the back door. <laughs> but where did that, like, think about, like, where did that come from for you? Honestly, I feel like it's just the way that I was raised, like the scrappiness of survival, the scrappiness of, like, figure it out on your own, find a way. Do you remember, like, the first time or evidence that, you put yourself out there and it like it worked out? No, but I can remember like how it might have been programmed in me. And it could be something as simple as like if my mom said, go out into the garage and bring me in four cans of green beans or something and I couldn't find them. I knew that I couldn't go back in that house and tell her I couldn't find them because <laughs> she would say if I yelled from the garage, mom, there's no green beans in here. She would literally say, if I go out there and find those green beans, I'm going to beat your ass with those green beans. Right. So I, it's something really silly and trivial, but it kind of taught me and embedded in me, like, make sure you cover all aspects of looking for these green beans And there was usually something that I was overlooking. Usually, Mm. maybe they weren't where she said that they were. And I sat out there for five minutes stressing about getting beat. But then I found them on a cabinet or on a shelf or something. And so I remember she never apologized for that. But what's the point I'm trying to make? That's something, a memory that I remember being ingrained in me that was like, figure it out. Mm. Don't come back in the house without the green beans. Yeah. And so that's interesting because I think... Where people really struggle is the social element, like mm-hmm. like interacting with asking other people what you want from them or pushing the limit with someone else and saying, hey, I need you to do this for yeah. me. I don't recall who taught me closed mouths don't get fed, but, you know, I have repeated that to the girls their entire lives. And it's simply just like advocating for yourself. I don't know who taught me. I don't know where the memory or the phrase or the quote came from. We're not going to finish this podcast until you do, because that's where yeah, that's what the value not. is. At. But, but that's what it is, though. Like closed mouths don't get fed. You can't sit there and cry about not having a seat at the boardroom if you don't put your name in the hat and make noise to be noticed 
or considered, right? Well, I, well, and since we've been married, I've always felt that you've had the healthiest amount of entitlement you can have. Okay, that sounds no, terrible. No, it, I know, it, it's but not. explain it. Yeah, and so entitlement means that like I have a value. I actually belong right. here. My questions, my requests are valid because I'm a human being. This is my status in life, mm -hmm. right? And the reason why I say that is because like I was probably more conditioned to be very obedient, right? And mm -hmm. so I've been rule very follower. rule following, discipline. I always looked, I can do it on my own. I can do it on my own. And mm -hmm. I don't need to ask anyone for help. Oh, I don't get a right? trophy for doing anything on my own. Right. And I understand yeah. that. But what I'm saying is, is that when we got together, we were in a position where we were working together mm -hmm. at the same role. And you asked for money when I would never dare to right. ask for money. Well, and that that sense of entitlement is not something that's normal or I would say of average of women. Can we clarify that really. that sense of entitlement that you're talking about is a positive thing, though? It's a positive the thing. The word entitlement feels really bad. I mean, if you look at the word people, yeah. look at the definition. Like, I'm not saying like obnoxious and like, um, you know, trying to take more yeah. than your more fair than your share, share yeah. that not type of entitlement, but the entitlement, not the entitlement to abuse right. things. I'm talking about the entitlement to say, I deserve this. Yeah. I'm going to like, I I'm look at authority this. from a standpoint of you are the same person as me. Right. Absolutely. You have a, like people like healthy entitlement is when you ask your doctor and you say, Hey, I know you, you said I need my prognosis mm -hmm. or my diagnosis is this. Can we take another test? Right. Like, I want to make sure I mm -hmm. like you challenge in a. Can in you give me a referral for right. a second recommendation? <laughs> like the second appropriate opinion. amount to advocate for yourself yeah. because you're entitled to. Right. Right. So two things come up when we started working together. I had an immense amount of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I was recruited from one leadership role into another leadership role, which was completely out of my realm. Right. So I was recruited to go lead a team, which I can do but of consumer electronics to work at Best Buy. I didn't know how to sell a DVD player. I didn't even know how to work a DVD player, let alone what's the difference right. between an LCD TV or how to sell a computer. And here I was leading a team of hundreds of people and I had no clue. And I remember leaving every day and crying in my car on my way home because I just was like, I deserve to be here, but I don't know what I'm doing, mm. right? They recruited me for a reason, so I have evidence to know that I could probably be good at this, but I don't know what I'm doing. And so I worked for three days, never forget this, three days, cried, and then on my fourth day was my day off, and I went to the good guys, which was a competitor, and I went in and I asked them every single thing that I could ask about a computer. And then I asked someone else, can you tell me everything there is to know about a home theater system? And I stayed in the good guys for eight hours with a notebook. So that way I could juice them for info, <laughs> have them train me, and then go to their competitor the next day for my job and actually know a little bit better about what I was doing. Wow. So I had massive imposter syndrome. But again, to me, it was like rightful. You don't know what you're doing. So right. go learn it. And right. that's kind of something I can't articulate, but that's innate in me. Yeah, because, you know, it's interesting because I think for you, <laughs> when I see how you operate, you operate to gain information from a social standpoint. Mm -hmm. So you use the network right. to say, I'm going to get the answer. For me, it's interesting because I'm listening to your story and it was very similar because when I first got to start selling, mm -hmm. like I researched myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't really talk to anyone. I talked to one repair guy about what can go wrong with the washer right. and dryer. because We're selling talking about Eddie working in sales at, <laughs> at Best Buy as right. well. Give the people context. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and it's interesting how you went to people and I went internal and right. we, we do that today. Yeah. Like when well, there's a problem, sure. I'm like, okay, I'm going to find it in the book. And I'm, I'm like, who could I call that has already experienced <laughs> and it's just, this? It, but no matter what your method is, if you feel like you don't belong, you have to do something to increase your amount of your courage. Right. You have to increase your amount of confidence and evidence and that you do belong. But I think you exercise a healthy amount of entitlement to do that. And I think that that is something that people can tap into. Yeah. So a couple of things. One, you asked, what's your method, mm -hmm. right? So for me, my method is leveraging relationships and asking for help. Mm -hmm. For you, your method is research, right? right. You'll find the answer somehow. And I do right. a healthy amount of that too. But I want to ask the people listening, what is your method when you don't know when you do feel imposter syndrome, when you haven't figured things out or you are invited to the party or invited into the boardroom or whatever, what's your method? Because that's really what the Push Podcast is about. It's about sharing experiences that we all have. We all have right. imposter syndrome. We all get sucked into comparison. We all have challenges in all of the things that every episode of the Push Podcast is about, but we're challenging you to figure out what the strategy yeah. is to be able to work through it when that thing happens, because it will happen. And the option to turn back and not, is not there. Like, and I think that that's the thing that most people do. Instead of doing what you just yeah. said, coming up with a strategy, either asking for help or finding, going through and doing some research and, and improving yourself so that you can feel better about yourself. What I think most people do is either they don't raise their hand or they turn away mm -hmm. and they don't even get themselves in the game. Because it's uncomfortable. And then they live an immense amount of regret yep. because they don't do most times for when it comes to regret, it's because of what you didn't do, not right. what you did do. We tell that to the kids, like you gotta do something. Mm -hmm. Like rarely are you gonna say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have did it. Most of the time people say, I wish I would have done it. I'm gonna butcher the quote, but we just saw the uh, new Marvel movie. What is it? Shang-Chi, which is fantastic. Amazing. Go see it. But the quote was, you know, this girl, she didn't know what she was doing with her life. And one of the elders hands her a bow and arrow and says, if you don't shoot at anything, you'll never hit anything. Yeah. If you don't aim, aim at, at anything, you don't aim at anything, you'll never you hit, hit anything. anything. And that's really what this is about. Yeah, like, if powerful. you want to avoid imposter syndrome, then you will never show up to try to do anything out of your comfort zone, right? So I hope what you get from this episode, other than the fact we've asked you, like, what strategies work for you? What are your go-to strategies to work through the imposter syndrome? But I hope that you understand that everyone experiences this, whether you're a billionaire like this Mike guy that I had to look up on Wikipedia, or you're Eddie and Janelle Copeland, or you're our teenage daughters, or wh whoever you are, at some point, if you are trying to be in pursuit of the next level of your career, the next level of your relationship, the next level of whatever it is that you do, you're gonna find yourself at some point in an elevated position, in an unfamiliar situation, and you're going to experience imposter syndrome regardless of who you are. That's so comforting That's huge. Like, to know that everybody goes through it. Yeah, and I think that the thing that it makes it powerful is that it's natural. And I think in the last episode, like. People have to stop having dead people goals. Mm -hmm. And I think that is you're trying to avoid feeling things. Mm -hmm. You're trying to avoid feeling feeling of self-doubt or feeling the fear of doubt, right? Yeah. Like all those things people are trying to avoid when you just got to lean in and say, okay, I'm going to feel this, but I'm going to work my way through it right. by doing all the different things that we just talked about and having a, a strategy that's effective. But when you do that, I think that's when you really can be proud of yourself and have self-esteem. 
And when self-esteem builds, confidence builds. And before you know it, you start to reduce that feeling of imposter syndrome. And so now you really feel like you belong. And then all of a sudden, when you really feel you have that confidence, you are more audacious and you take on more challenges and you take on things that help you be more successful. And then guess what? There's a next level to that. Yeah. And And then then you you wind up having imposter (laughs) imposter syndrome again, though, is my point. Right. Right. When I first started the bakery, I had no clue what I was doing. I had never, I have never worked in any sort of food industry position, job, anything. I never had a fast food job. I never flipped burgers. I never worked in the food industry at all. And here I was opening a bakery. That's audacious. That's also a huge amount of imposter syndrome. Who am I to do this? There are so many more qualified people, right? Well, I'm going to be the one that does the research to figure it out. So I deserve to be here. But yes, it's unfamiliar. Yes, I'm an imposter until I'm not. One day you're not. And then guess what? You move up to the next level and guess what? You're an imposter again. Yeah. So I hope that this episode served you. I hope that there's some way for you to sit down and ask yourself, okay, if I'm not experiencing imposter syndrome, then maybe I'm not pushing myself mm, to the next huge. level, yeah. right? Yeah. And you need to do that. Or if you are experiencing imposter syndrome, ask yourself like, what's your reaction? What's your strategy? Maybe your strategy is to quit, to retract, to retreat, to give up to be stifled in this unknowing, right? And so we're challenging you. That cannot be an effective strategy, especially if anything you do going forward, you will find yourself stuck in imposter syndrome again. So you may as well figure out how to work through it, right? So let us know. Take two seconds to write a review for this podcast. Find us on Instagram, cope with Eddie, Janelle Copeland. Leave a comment below wherever you're listening or watching. We just really want to know if this served you and what your strategy is going to be. Maybe you have a strategy that you'd like to share with us and some of our listeners and followers. We're here for all of it. So thanks for listening, guys. And And push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time, push through.